We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Home and home. How do you know in life when to try to accept the next challenge? to get a raise, to take the next step or advance in your career versus being very happy and comfortable with what you have. These questions come up all the time in sports. And as John Beeline recently found out, halfway through his first season of a five-year contract with the Cleveland Cavaliers, the grass is not always greener good morning everybody welcome to an all-new edition of home and home here on the radio.com app or radio.com slash home it is a radio.com sports original i am ross tucker former nfl offensive lineman five teams seven years joined all week by jason mertitas the most well-known e-butt bug in the country. We established that yesterday. He is the emergency backup to the emergency backup goaltender for the Philadelphia Flyers. Hey, there can only be one, and it is Jason Mertides. Jason, aren't you a little bit jealous or mad, speaking of grass being greener? That that Colgate dude took your spot as the potential e-bug? Like, you were the e-bug at some point, right? Was there a conversation? Did the Flyers say, hey, Jay, we appreciate you being our e-bug for some of these games, but we now have an official e-bug, and it's not you. It's Colgate, dude. Well, when they put in the official e-bug rule into the NHL, they actually, I think they held a tryout which I did not go to, but I, I'm working at the game too. So I'm part of the broadcast. So it'd be weird for me to jump out of us oh, guys. I got to leave the broadcast and, and go put on some gear and maybe you can mic me up. <laughs> you know, that would be cool. That'd be different. Right. And so maybe I can make the, maybe I can make the case to become the e-bug because I can actually commentate the game as I'm getting scored on at the NHL level. Now that would be that cool. Would be amazing. We could bug the e-bug. We could put yes. a mic in and bug the e-bug, which I would absolutely. It's like the XFLing of the NHL. Just put microphones, cameras everywhere, and see what happens. I love it. Uh, speaking of loving it, that is not what John Beeline felt when it came to the Cleveland Cavaliers. It's interesting because this story 
is about a week old at this point. But to me, it's not even really a sports story. I feel like it's something that everybody in their own lives can relate to, which is how do you know when you got a good thing going and you should just stay there versus trying to take the next step or progress or move up or however it is that you phrase or look at it. It's not easy. I've been there. I think you've been there, Jason. It sounds like Joe Burrow might potentially be there. We'll listen to what he says later on today at the NFL Combine as it relates to the Cincinnati Bengals and discuss that tomorrow. Although we'll just talk about the concept of him wanting to potentially be somewhere other than Cincinnati a little bit later. Matt Rule is another guy that made that move from college to the pros recently. But it clearly was an abject failure for John Beeline with the Cleveland Cavaliers. We'll talk to one of our guys from the ticket in Detroit and find out why he left Michigan in the first place. And you know, Jay, it's interesting because I think you and I are both assuming that John Beeline really regrets having left Michigan to go to the Cavaliers, but maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's like, dude, I did college for 40 years. I wanted to try the pros. Worst case scenario, I got a five-year deal, and I can get paid for four and a half years to do nothing and just move on in life, or if I want to, go back and, co- and coach college ball. Yeah, guys like that aren't going to sit around and just collect the four and a half years. He's a coach. He wants to coach. Um, but a lot of guys, too, want to check the box. They want to know. They can't move forward in life. They're almost crippled, Ross, if they didn't give it a shot. Because otherwise, it just sits in the back of their head. Well, what if I, I never made, I never took the leap. I never incurred the risk to try and coach the men, the best players in the world, in the greatest league in the world. And for some guys, they need to check that box. You see it in all sports. You see Steve Spurrier did it in college football um, as as an older coach. Chip Kelly did it as a younger coach. It didn't work. didn't work for either. Some coaches do go from the college game and have success. And Matt Rule, is he a guy that made the – he was like jumping lily pad to lily pad, whether it was from Temple. He was an assistant, then a head coach at Temple, then to Baylor and took over a program that had a lot of sanctions but did a good job at Baylor. But then he got a seven-year contract in the NFL, never have coaching coached in an NFL game as a head coach. Now, he was an assistant coach in the NFL. But that being said, that's a big commitment to a guy coming from the college game as well. So there's a leap here of faith not only from Matt Rule, but there's also a leap of faith from the organization that signs a B-line or a Matt Rule to a contract up, upwards of five or seven years. To me, there's a lot of risk in that as well. And it's surprising that it happens as often as often as it does. So there is a lot of different layers to this. And I'm glad you just said what you said, because in the last few years, I got offered a job that was a, a really good job. And maybe at some point in my life would have been like a dream job. And I really talked with a lot of people about it. I really debated it. And it's, it's funny because 
my wife, some of my closest friends, they looked at it like what you just said, Jay, which is, hey, you got to at least try it. If you hate it, at least you'll know, or if it doesn't go well, at least you'll know you gave it a shot and you can always come back and on some level do what you were doing, right? Now, maybe not get the exact same job that I had, but I can probably come back and do what you're doing. And my wife, my wife felt I should do it. She's like, I, I think I just don't want you to have any, any, any regrets and wish you would have done it. You know, give it a try. What's the worst thing that can happen? I looked at it the other way. It happened to be a job in the afternoon. And uh, there would have been a decent commute involved for me. So I would have not been at any of my daughter's after-school activities. Or really even put them to bed at night. And I just sat here and I thought, which am I, I, I make a lot of decisions like this, Jay, which is, which am I more likely to regret? And mm-hmm. I just thought I'll be, a, I'd be a lot more likely to regret missing my daughter's after school activities and putting them to bed than I would having taken this job. Cause maybe I can take a job like this later, but I can't ever get these days and nights back where they call me daddy and I put them to bed. Like that is that that's the best part of my day. And I don't know how much longer it's going to last. And I want every single one of them. So I try to make a lot of decisions in my life about which one am I more likely to regret. And my wife thought, well, you're going to regret if you don't take this job. I looked at it like, I'm going to regret it if I miss any of this time with them. Plus, like, I love my life. I, I, I'm very, very happy. Like, if you're very, very happy, how much happier can you really be? Yeah, can you put ha- can you make, like, happy to the, the second power? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a math right. equation? <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's like if you're in, uh, if you're in jail forever, right? Like, if you have lifetime a sentence for jail like what's the worst thing that happened if you're in jail now you're really really in for your lifetime now you have two lifetimes okay put it on my tab you know what i mean yeah. like i'm not gonna pay it anyway <laughs> well you're just <laughs> stuck there no you're right but it's interesting because there is there's personal regret and then there's professional regret and you chose to not have personal regret regret when it comes to your kids so like you looked at it like when I'm laying on my deathbed, am I going to sit there and go, oh, my God, I didn't take that job? Or am I going to go, oh, my God, I took that job and I, and I missed all these great things or these years went by without my kids and not experiencing and looking through their eyes. So good on you for the way you handled it, because a lot of people don't look at it that way. They measure themselves by professional success more than they measure themselves by personal, you know, being full in your personal life. Um, it's hard to do though, because professional success is how you're looked at in by your contemporaries. Right. And that's how we sometimes determine if we're happy or not, if people think we're successful or whatever. But, uh, yeah, you, professionally for me, I've always been a guy that was no matter what I was doing, even if I was happy with what I was doing, I was always looking for the next thing to see 
if maybe that was better, you know, like I'd look at other people's job and go, you know, you look at somebody's job and you see the good parts of it, but you don't see all the warts. So you go, well, that'd be great to do that. But you don't see all the crap behind the scenes that he has to go through. So it always looks greener until you get there and you're like, man, this place is just as screwed up as the last place or more screwed up in the case of of Beeline. And maybe that's going to be the case for Matt Rule. Maybe Matt Rule goes and is a great NFL coach or maybe he stinks. I don't know. Only time will tell. But there's a risk involved. But you're right, though. When you're happy, can you compound happiness? Can you find a way, a place to be happier? That's the question. But there's a chance that you're going to find misery where you thought you may be happier. Yeah, you said it exactly right in terms of I, I honestly think about being on my deathbed. Mm-hmm. And I think about what will I have wish I did more or what would I be thinking at that point? Because that's really what matters, right? Like when you have clarity and you think about what's important, you know what I think is interesting? I think our father's generation, you're 47, I'm 40, but I think our father's generation always told, always chose professional success. Like they always chose what was best professionally, probably because in a decent amount of situations, their wife or their spouse wasn't working. And also because back then, especially that was looked at as doing what was best for your family, right? Like taking a higher paying, more high profile, better job was looked at as being what was better for your family. In that instance, I feel like our generation is a little bit more split, but and I'm fortunate to be in that position, but can look at it and say, you know what? No, like I am gonna, I'd rather be with my kids. I, I don't, I'd, I, I don't, I don't care what other people think or perceive of me, or I have, I'm strong enough and confident enough that I don't need that job to validate who I am or what I'm doing. I really just need to validate it to those two little girls. And I feel like that is a decision that our dads would not have been able to make, but that a lot more guys in our generation, it's like this, I'll, I'll give you an example. Okay. My dad, every Saturday I can remember Jay. So my dad would travel a lot during the week, whatever. He had a good, pretty good job. Um, so I, you know, he'd travel a bunch during the week. Didn't see him that much. Friday and Saturday night, he and my mom went out. They're partiers. That's fine. Saturday morning, my dad would get up at like 6 a.m. And he would golf with his friends every Saturday morning. They had a foursome, you know, when the weather was okay. And I would see him at the pool later on, maybe like 2.30, 3 o'clock, like after the round, after the 18th hole, after the whole deal, like, I just don't feel like many guys in our generation, I, I can't imagine saying to my wife, like every Saturday morning at 6am, peace. I'll see you at three. Like what? Peace. You've been gone all week. (laughs) Oh my God. Like it, it is really, really changed. And I think that's a good example of how much things have changed. And I think for the better. Yeah, that, that's like uh, the Stone Ages now when you think like that, like, hey, I've been gone all week. I'm the traveling salesman or whatever. 
But as soon as I get up Saturday morning, I'm going to golf with my buddies because that's what we do as men, right? It is totally changed. You're right. You know, I look at it now, like when I was younger, yeah, I wanted to climb to the top of the mountain and I wanted the, the biggest, best job you could get, maybe a corner office. Now I don't care. Now it's like I, I don't need all the money in the world. I don't need the job with the most prestige. To me, it's more about quality of life than quantity of money or uh, accolades or something like that. So uh, that, that changes. And I think that's changing the world, too. Also, I have a spouse that works. She makes money. So it's it takes a, a tremendous amount of burden off of me. She carries the health benefits. It's not the man that carries the health benefits. So uh, the, the constant looking for the grass is greener thing is it has changed for me as well. It's kind of like I just want to find something that fulfills me. I feel happy doing that. I know what I'm doing and I'm good. You know, I don't need to make every nickel on the planet. As long as I can provide for my family, I'm good to go. You know, there's so much that, like, I feel like our poll question, which is, would you leave a top college coaching job for a job in the pros like John Beeline and Matt Rule? I feel like it's so dependent on so many factors. The Twitter handles at RDC, home and home. He's at Jason Mert, M-Y-R-T. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. Right now, the responses are yes, 35.1%, no, 34.4%, and it depends on the league, 30.5%. So it is a very tight poll right now. That's and a I'm going to go back to something that you, it's a great poll. I want to go back to something you said, which is, you know, maybe John Beeline just wanted to, Try it. I mean, if you look, okay, he coached high school, then community college, then D3, then low D1, then mid-major D1, then West Virginia, then Michigan. I mean, this guy, for 30, 40-plus years, was working his way up. And I think a couple things. Number one, you probably want to test yourself at the highest level. When you've been in the in, in the industry, you're 67 years old, you've been in it since you were 22, right? 45 years. Secondly, and these are the things we don't know, but maybe he just hated recruiting. Maybe he was just sick of recruiting. Maybe he's like, I'm 67 years old. Can I please stop kissing these 16-year-olds' butts, right? Like, I just want to deal with grown men. And guess what? And I don't know. I'm assuming that that's probably part of his reason. Wow, did that backfire, right? Yeah. Like, in his mind, he probably, I imagine he wanted to test himself at the highest level. Probably was a great contract. But also, I bet you he was like, I'm kind of tired of dealing with, with these 15 and 16 year olds and their parents and recruiting, I'd real, I'd rather deal like coach some grown men and wow, maybe you could argue that they're not really grown men or maybe that beeline didn't have a great handle for how to handle them because it backfired on a huge, huge level. Yeah. And, and that's the thing too, Ross, like you look at it, you go, 
I, he's going, oh, my God, I've been doing this same spiel every year, going into some kid's living room and promising him the sun and the stars. And I'm just tired of doing this. Because if you do anything long enough, you start to go, hey, this really isn't that much fun anymore. It, it's, men are conquerors, right? We want to go do something, conquer it, and then go conquer something else and leave what we just conquered in ruins for nobody else to enjoy. <laughs> I, I swear that that's like our DNA. It, it's that way, I think, in you know, in professional accomplishment. I think it's that way for a lot of men with women, <laughs> oddly enough. Uh, but the, the part is, too, is that he gets to the NBA and he realizes I got to deal with these men. I don't have the recruiting part of it. I got the five star hotels, uh, you know, all the money in the world and one of the, and the biggest sports league in the world. That's a global phenomena. This has got to be great. And then imagine the moment when he realized like, Oh shit, I made a mistake. Like that's got to be one of those, an epiphany of like, Oh my God, why am I still not sitting at Michigan? I had the cush job. I worked my way all the way up to that, to being on a, in a Big Ten school and a, a national powerhouse. And I took this risk for what? For this? And I'm an idiot because I took it with a team in Cleveland? Like, what's wrong with me? And you start to question everything about what you what your decision making. And it was the wrong decision. But there is a way to soften the blow, and that's the bank account. And he can probably go back and, co- and coach college basketball, but... There's also a thing, too, and, and I don't know if this would affect you, Ross, but it would affect me. I would feel like a little bit of a failure. I'd be like, oh, I went and I just and I flamed out. I flamed out magnificently quick. I flamed out. And to me, I would carry that around and be like, I would be embarrassed that I got to that league and and I, and I just I couldn't cut it. I think that was embarrassing for Steve Spurrier when you get there and you just kind of like, oh, my God, I went there and it, I couldn't do it. They found something I couldn't do because coaches at that level before that happens, they, they sit there and they think they can do anything. And when you find out you can't do something, it's, it's pretty humbling. Yeah. So you make it, it's real. I think it depends on where you are on some level, too, because for both beeline and rule. OK, let's think let's pretend rule. His situation in Carolina goes as bad as it went for Beeline in Cleveland. If you look, I mean, best case scenario, you go to the next level, you love it, you're coaching well, you're you're getting extensions, you're going to playoffs, blah, blah, blah. But let's look at worst case scenario. From a business standpoint, worst case scenario, number one, both these guys know that they, they took their shot at the pros. They, they took their shot. Number two, they have a lot of money to fall back on. And number three, what I think is interesting about our poll question is that when you leave a top college job for the pros, even if you flame out in the pros, you can always go back. Like, think about Spurrier. You just said it. He went back to South Carolina and was fine. Chip Kelly he ended up going, he's at UCLA right now. So like Beeline and Rule, and Beeline, maybe he'll have to wait till next year. But with the success he had at West Virginia and Michigan, if he wants to, he's at the top of a lot of open jobs after this season. And the same with Matt Rule whenever he be done with the NFL. So it's almost like you can have your cake and eat it too. 
Like you can you can go back to that level. Maybe not the same exact school, but you can go back to a similar situation. Whereas if you stay at your similar situation, if you stay at your college and things start to struggle, then you're kind of shit out of luck. Well, for Chip Kelly, it was a little di- it's a little different to me. I think he left Oregon, got exposed in the NFL, and is still getting exposed back in the college game at UCLA. Because I just think he's a donkey of a coach. But that being said, you're right. Beeline can go back. You're right. Sperrier went back. Look at, you know, look at some of the great college coaches, college football. Look at Nick Saban. He went to the, the Miami Dolphins. And look what he's doing now. Uh, he's fine. He checked the box and said, I want to try to go to the NFL. Went to the, the Dolphins. It didn't work out. Boom, he's back at Alabama. And and he's winning national championships and has the one of the elite programs in the country. So there was... Guys like that, there's there's very little risk because, A, you're going to get paid from the NFL or the NBA or the pro team. And if you want to go back, every door is open to you. There's teams that would fire their coach to hire Beeline now. There's teams that would have fired their coach to hire Nick Saban if he did it again. There would, you know, Penn State would fire Franklin if all of a sudden Matt Rule became available and could become the Penn State head coach because he's a state college kid. So... Um, yeah, there's risk involved, but it, I, I just, it's it's a hard thing to, to say no to when it comes to coaching in the top league in the world. But it's also a hard thing to say no to because just as human nature, you know this, Ross, in human nature, we're curious people. So we always think that, well, it's got to be better there, right? I'm living this and, you know, I'm a deserving person, but there's got to be something better than this, right? So you got to try it. And sometimes you get there. And you go, man, that was an idiotic move to leave position A to try out position B. Maybe it was more money or whatever, but sometimes it's an idiotic move to do it. Well, and it's interesting because I, I, I've I, spoken with both David Shaw and Pat Fitzgerald about this, okay? And Pat Fitzgerald a couple of times. These guys are making a lot of money at Stanford and Northwestern. They are the kings of their campus, right? Like they are, they run the show there. They're not only head coach, they're the GM Mm -hmm. and team president, if you will, of their college programs. And they are dealing with some great kids, right? Like the kids that choose to go to Stanford and Northwestern are really bright kids They love football, but they realize there's more to life than football. They have aspirations other than football. They go there because they want to play in the Big Ten or the Pac-12, but they also want to get that degree. I remember asking Pat Fitzgerald a couple years ago when LaFleur got hired, if he was going to interview with the Packers, because there were a lot of rumors that he was going to, and he said... Now he's like, how can you be happier than happy? I'm happy. And I can see that, man. Like, I mean, let me just say on the record, I'm open to anyone that might have any um, opportunities for me. But, like, I am really happy, right? So I, it would have to be something unbelievable to get me to leave or move or change my life the way it is right now. And I think Pat Fitzgerald kind of looks at it that way. And you know what? 
beeline probably just reinforces things. Like, do I really want to go and have to worry about salary caps? Do I really want to go and have to worry about this agent or, you know, this guy's mad about playing time and all these guys? Or can I just coach these awesome young men and hopefully have a positive impact on their lives while still making millions of dollars to do it? Now, the flip side would be at at Northwestern and Stanford, you're never winning the national championship. You're not. So on some level, Jay, it's like you are limiting what your accomplishments can be when that wouldn't be the case in the NFL or maybe even a higher profile college job. Yeah, yeah. like Beeline's the cautionary tale, but how cautionary is it? Because his bank account's pretty cushioned at this point. But yeah, you're right. And the other thing is, too, is, you know, you, you said – like, hey, I'll, if anybody has an offer, I'll take it. I'll look at it, but I am really happy. But, you know, you don't know if you can be happy. or may, Are you happy or are you content? You know, you don't know that sometimes. You go, well, I'm happy. I'm pretty sure I'm happy. But would I be happier if I was making double what I'm making right now? Would I be happier if I was the king of a college campus as a football coach? Would I be happier if I was running an NFL team? That's where, that's where you start to question things because you don't – you go, yeah, I th- I'm happy. I'm happy with what I do. Um, I spend time with my family. I make a decent living. I don't stress over money. I don't live paycheck to paycheck. So I feel pretty good. But man, if somebody could come and double that money, I think I'd be happier. So you do have to look at it. And you know, when somebody knocks on your door, you do get intrigued. And when they're trying to get you to do a job or take a new job, they're going to sell you the sun and the stars. And then, then you're really questioning, well, is it money that's going to make me happy? Is it spending more time with my family that's going to make me happy? Is it not changing? Am I going to regret not going for it professionally? Because what comes with that money, what I could do for my family both now and in the future, there's so many variables to it. But you're right. Like David Shaw is such a smart guy. Um, I've talked to him before as well at Stanford. And it's like he, he just seems content because he knows he has smart kids that he can set up for the future. And if the NFL is a part of that, he's great for that part of it. But if the NFL is not a part of that and they want to be an engineer, he's great for that as well. So I think he is like fulfilled with what he's doing, even though he'll never win a national championship. Speaking of Matt Rule, there is some new news as it relates to the Carolina Panthers and their quarterback situation that may or may not affect Joe Burrow as well and is very interesting coming on the heels of a letter to season ticket holders from new Panthers owner, David Tepper. I will explain when we come back. We also will talk to Will Birchfield in about 15 minutes about the decision that John Beeline made to leave Michigan for Cleveland. But first, I want to tell you about five-hour energy. Because anyone who travels frequently, like normal co-host Dave Briggs, in Peru right now, knows how tiring it can be. Whether you're on business or on vacation in Machu Picchu with the Incas, a five-hour energy helps you get through your crazy on-the-go life with zero sugar, four calories, and a convenient portable size. It's the perfect pick-me-up for busy, hardworking people. Now it comes in two great extra strength 
Tropical Tastes, Strawberry Banana, and Tropical Burst. They are delicious and can take you to a tropical on-the-go experience. Five-hour energy shot helps you stay alert, energized, wherever you may be headed. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. So here is the kind of breaking news, Jason, as we welcome you back in here. To Home and Home, the Radio.com Sports Original, always available on the Radio.com app. Just search home or Radio.com slash home. We are with you 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time live, video and audio, and always available on demand later on in the day. And we have less than five minutes of commercials or downtime per hour. Nobody else is doing that. Why would you listen or watch anyone else? Here is the news from Ian Rappaport that just got tweeted during the show, Jay. Mm. A lot can still happen in the coming months. By the way, I'm Ross Tucker. He's Jason Martinez filling in for Dave Briggs. Anyway, it's probably kind of important. Anyway, as of now, the Panthers are moving forward with Cam Newton as their starting quarterback. Sources say while his foot is healing well, It will be several months until it's game ready, a timeline that complicates any potential trade. This, to me, Jason, is really the only way to go because how do you trade a guy that's not healthy? I don't know what other team is going to say, we want Cam to be our starter, not knowing what his health situation is. And Carolina, by the way, needs a starter. He's not that old yet. I think it makes sense to give him this year with the new coaching staff to see what he can do. Because what else are you going to do? You can't trade him. Well, yeah, you you cannot trade Cam Newton now because his value is so profoundly affected by two things. One, obviously, the fact that he's not healthy and nobody's going to give you the proper package with those question marks. But his stock is also down as a quarterback, an elite quarterback in the NFL, because he's so many years now removed from that MVP season where they went to the Super Bowl. But and Ross, I have no idea what he is. You know, there's a question in my head is, is he just a guy that's not a winner? Is he a guy that's too selfish of a player? Uh, There's some baggage there. So they got to put him with this coaching staff and see what they can get from him. And then they got to figure out what they want to do. This is a really important year for Carolina to figure out what they have in Cam Newton, if they can, if they should move forward with them. And if they can't or won't and don't want to, 
you got to trade him and see what you can get for Cam Newton. Um, no matter what, if you decide to move on from him, you're not going to get the value that you'd hope for because teams are going to know that you're trying to get rid of him, which lessens the value, and you lose your, you know, you lose any kind of leverage in any kind of negotiation with a team if they know you have to get rid of them. So it's going to be really interesting because you know he comes out of Auburn and he just this elite athlete, but and got to a Super Bowl and had a great season that year, but ultimately Cam Newton's been a bit of a disappointment. He'd have to say. Yeah, and if you think about it, okay, first of all, they only have to pay him $18.6 million this year, and his cap hit is $21 million. That's like half of what guys get now. Yeah. You know, at the top of the market, that's like half of what, 18.6, that's probably going to be half of what Dak Prescott gets on an average per year basis. And he's 30 years old. And the trade value is so low right now. I'd rather take him for a spin. I'd rather see what he can do. 30 years old. Now, I got to be honest with you, Jason. I do not envision Cam Newton having a great second act of his career. I just think he's been too beat up. His style of play and the amount of punishment he's taken as the best power and short yardage runner we've ever seen at the quarterback position. I think it's taken its toll on him. And I don't think he's overly effective without having that in his repertoire. So my guess is it's probably one and done in Carolina under Matt rule for him. But if I'm Matt rule, I'm not giving away for peanuts. Not when he costs that little and who knows, maybe he's fully healthy and maybe he can get back to MVP form. I take him for a spin this year, and if he's great, then maybe you try to do an extension. If he's terrible, well, then guess what? Maybe you have a chance to draft Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields in 2021. Well, that's part – you know, this is funny how this kind of is coming full circle now with the beeline conversation. The fact that Matt Rule got a seven-year contract affects his decision on probably how he wants to handle that. If he's in the NFL on a four-year deal in his first job, He's going, I need Cam Newton. I'm going to win right away. But because he has a lot of rope here in Carolina, Matt Rule is going to go, okay, let me take Cam for a spin. If it doesn't work and we stink this year, look, they're committed to me long term. I'm good. I'm going to be here for a while. Then I'll try and get Trevor Lawrence. I'll move forward and try and get the guy, and I'll rebuild from there. But in the meantime, I got a 30-year-old quarterback. That's not old. And you're right. He has taken a beating more than any other quarterback in the NFL uh, in the last five, six years. I mean, just absolutely crushed a, because of the way he plays the game and gets out of the pocket and initiates contact, but also just the hits from a porous offensive line. So you look at it, Ross, and you go, okay, Matt rule has a little bit of latitude here to move some things around. A lot of times, first time head coaches look at the giants, Ben McAdoo lasted what a year you better. They're, they're of the mentality of I better win now, or I could be out real quick. Matt rule and his contract situation allow him to have the latitude to be able to take a look at Cam Newton, see what he can do, see if it's something he can work with and salvage Cam Newton's career for a, a great second act. And if they can't, they can move on. Or so uh, he's, got, he's got the best of both worlds and Matt Rule right now. And you're right, you can't trade him why he has very, very little value. And by the way, the other speculation that's been out there 
regarding Joe Burrow, maybe somehow trying to manufacture his way to getting to Carolina with Joe Brady, his coach at LSU. Joe Burrow is talking with the media right now and was asked almost immediately about playing for the Bengals. And his response was he will happily play for the Bengals. So let's take a listen to exactly what Joe Burrow just said when he was asked about it. Or maybe not. We'll we'll get back to that sound. I thought we had that sound. Boy, he was uh, really convincing that. that he wanted to play there. <laughs> yeah, well, anyway. Yeah, I'm not going to not play. Um, I'm a ball player. Whoever picks me, I'm going to go show up. So there you go. Uh, I'm not going to not play. Whoever picks me, I'm going to show up and play. He'll well, happily play for the Bengals. <laughs> By the yeah, way, was, hey, I want to play for Cincinnati, said no one ever. <laughs> well, and here's the thing. That, by the way, is the right answer. And if you don't feel that way, let it be known behind the scenes. Like, let your agents say to them, hey, he really doesn't want to be there. And he's going to make that very clear. If you guys, if it looks like you're going to draft him. You, you, you might want to consider taking Chase Young or trading out of that or doing something else. I don't think it should be Burrow saying that publicly because it just doesn't, it's just not a good look for him. It doesn't help him. No, let the agent do the dirty work. Absolutely. But I mean, look, it's Cincinnati's earned the right through sucking to be able to draft Joe Burrow. But if he doesn't want to be there, I mean, well, it's, it, the players hold all the cards here, and it's a shame because how's a team supposed to improve when they've earned the right by stinking to get that pick and he's the best quarterback for, for that team, and just because he doesn't want to play there because they've stunk in the past, it's it's weird, Ross, to me. I don't like it. I don't like players determining where they go in a draft um, because it, it's not how it's supposed to be, but it is a, it is the reality of the situation. But if you're Cincinnati, you got to look at it and go, if the guy's going to be here and be, you know, and sulk around, how good is that for us? And unfortunately, the players have been empowered in pro sports so much that, you know, maybe he doesn't up there. Maybe his small hands end up in Carolina. We'll see. So it's going to be interesting. We had the whole grass is greener conversation. Evidently, Jason, for Joe Burrow, the grass isn't necessarily greener somewhere other than Cincinnati, or at least he's thought about it enough that he's not going to publicly make it clear that he thinks the grass is greener and wants to be somewhere else, which I'm kind of with him on that because, number one, you can't control it. Number two, Mike Brown and the Bengals are the last franchise I would mess with in that regard because Mike Brown doesn't do logical things. Number three, where would he go or be able to dictate, dictate that he goes that's so much better? The Miami Dolphins, the LA Chargers, maybe the Carolina Panthers. I mean, my point is he'd have to really like 
though it would be one of those teams because I don't think the Bengals would move down any more than that. And so are they really that much better than the Bengals? Any of those situations? Well, cities are better. <laughs> Aren't they? I like Cincinnati, by the way. I think Cincinnati's awesome. You're the one? You're, you're the one that likes Cincinnati. There? Unfortunately. It's just kind of it's a like city. It? It's just a city. Where's the teeth? There's no teeth to Cincinnati. What is it known for? It's known for uh, Procter and Gamble. Kroger. Okay. You got to keep digging. That's not selling uh, me, Ross. What, what was the uh, radio station mo- TV show with Lonnie KRP? Anderson? Yeah, yeah, WKRP. Yeah. No, WKRP I'm out. Cincinnati. If I'm looking um, for a new radio gig, I'm not going to WKRP. Yeah, I don't know. I, I like Cincinnati. I got some buddies that live there, so maybe I've seen parts of it that other people haven't because I I, I enjoy it quite a bit. So, you know, that was going to be a big storyline, how he handled that. He didn't, though, it, it still wasn't exactly, to your point, a ringing endorsement. No, it was total just, I'll play, you know, I play, I'm going to play. Can we play the cut again, actually? I want to hear the cut again because yeah. – it wasn't exactly long or very memorable, but let's play it again. Here's Joe Burrow. Yeah, I'm not going to not play. Um, I'm a ball player. Whoever takes me, I'm going to go show up. Yeah, whoever takes me, I'm going to go. That was not a ringing endorsement. I mean, if a ringing endorsement I'm a ball goes, player. Yeah. Whoever takes me, I'm going to go show up. Yeah, that's not a yeah. ringing endorsement. He would have said, yeah, I'm going to go to Cincinnati, and you know, I wanna, I'm going to build this thing up, and we're going to be great, and – you know, give me something. He didn't give you anything. He doesn't want it. You can tell he doesn't want to be there. And I get why he doesn't want to be there. It's not a sexy city. If you're in South Beach, now you got something, right? Or even, look, San Diego or is Cincinnati really sexy? That's kind of like vanilla ice cream. It's not even vanilla bean. It's just like Bobo vanilla ice cream. Like not even Turkey Hill or Briars, you know? I'm with you. I'm also with our next guest. You're Mr. As we Cincinnati. Talk about the grass is being greener. He's not in Cincinnati. He is in Detroit. His name is Will Birchfield from 97-1, the ticket in Detroit. Will, it's Ross Tucker, Jason Mertides. Really appreciate the time, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Good to be here. All right, so let's start with this, Will. Um, can you refresh our memories as to why Beeline left Michigan to go to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Was he unhappy at all at Michigan, or was it just all about the chance to be in the NBA? A little bit of both. It wasn't so much unhappiness at Michigan as it was discontent with the college game. I think the the amount of time he had to commit to recruiting was beginning to wear on him. Um, how quickly guys would leave after he got them to school was there on him. Last year, he watched Jordan Poole and Iggy Vazdekas, two underclassmen, leave for the NBA and leave, leave early, I think a lot of people thought. And when you commit so much time to getting guys into your program and then can't even teach them for more than a season, maybe two seasons, um, that kind of erodes uh, the base that Beeline wants to build. He's, at his purest, um, a basketball teacher, and it takes time to build his programs. And when players are leaving early that he spent a lot of time trying to get there. I think he just lost faith in, in the college game at large. Um, 
But you're right. He, the NBA had been a goal of his for a long time, and it was kind of the perfect storm. He, he was definitely a little bit um, frustrated with things at Michigan and college basketball. Then the Cavs come calling, um, make him an offer. He gets a chance to coach a young team, in his mind, the kind of team that he could really mold. Um, and, and so I think that if Beeline hadn't made that move, regardless of how things went, he'd feel in some ways like his career was incomplete. And so he made that jump because it was a jump that he wanted to make his whole career, and um, things just didn't work out, as you guys saw in Cleveland. It, would uh, Michigan have been fine keeping him for many, many, many more years, or was he seeing a writing on the wall that maybe he should look at something different as well because the situation at Michigan – wasn't long for him. Yeah, they would have been happy to keep him. Um, their AD yeah. had had talks uh, about keeping him there until the day he decided to quit coaching, whether that was five years from now, ten years from now. Um, they wanted him to stay long-term. Now, they ended up with what looks like so far a pretty good replacement with Juwan Howard. Um, but but Michigan had no designs of, of seeing Beeline leave. But, again, this was kind of his calling and the one way to kind of complete his career. And um, so he made the jump. We're talking with Will Birchfield from 97.1, the ticket in Detroit. And we've been talking all day, Will, about sort of the grass is greener. And I'm glad we have you on because I guess Jason and I thought that Beeline was very happy in college. We didn't know. And that's kind of what we were curious about. Because I've talked to other college coaches that seem very happy in college. You know, the Jay Wrights of the world, if you will. But so you're telling me Beeline was sort of getting disgusted with it and was almost looking to leave. I guess I wonder if he'll want to come back to, to the college game somewhere now. Yeah, I think if he does come back, he would be maybe at a, at a mid-major or, or a smaller scale program where he knows he can have his guys there for at least three years, hopefully four, um, and, and really have a chance to mold them and, and build his team. I think he realized by the end of Michigan that he almost became a victim of his own success because he was so good at coaching um, that he began to get really good players, and he was so good at coaching that he was developing them quickly. And so after a year or two there, they, in their own minds at least, and in their agents' minds or advisors' minds, were ready for the NBA. And so and so by being so successful at Michigan, D-line, um, in a lot of ways – maybe unintentionally undermined uh, what he wanted to build. But if he does return, I think it would be somewhere um, smaller, maybe a mid-major, maybe even a D3 school. Um, but I, I do think that the D1, the high-level Power 5, Power 6, D1 jobs um, have lost some of their luster for him. Uh, Will, it's re- it's interesting to me, too, when you look at Beeline and Harbaugh. <laughs> you guys yeah. – there's one guy you would have liked to have kept in college, and there's probably another guy you'd like to send back to the pros with, <laughs> with Jim Harbaugh. It, it, is this like a Michigan's kind of be like a, like a conundrum wrapped in a riddle right now with dealing with these coaches? Yeah, it definitely seems that way. They still have, by all accounts, um, pretty, pretty immense faith in, in Harbaugh to get the job done. He has put them back in the national spotlight, but in much different ways. I mean, Beeline was the understated coach – um, who you didn't hear much from besides in basketball. And Harbaugh, his first three or four years at least, was the opposite. He was in headlines for all kinds of reasons, none of which pertain to championships. Um, but, but he's the guy they have, and Beeline's the guy they lost. And, um, again, they, they're pretty comfortable and, and really comfortable with, with Juwan Howard and, 
and still hopeful that Harbaugh can be the guy to bring the football team to the next level. Talking with Will Birchfield, 97-1, the ticket there in Detroit. You know, Detroit's also been in the news, Will, as it relates to the quarterback position. Two different things, neither one of which make a whole lot of sense to me, but maybe I'm just missing it. Let's start with the Matthew Stafford trade rumors that the Lions have denied, but the local television station there in Detroit reiterated that there have been talks. What's your read or take on that? Yeah, my read is, is that I believe Bob Quinn when he says those reports and those rumors are 100% false. Um, I don't think a trade of Stafford is out of the question maybe a year from now, two years from now. This offseason, I'd be flat out stunned to see it happen. They'd end up paying him more to play for another team next year than they would pay him to play for them if they traded him this offseason. Um, and as you guys probably well know, Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn are under a lot of pressure next season to win or at least make – legitimate strides forward and trading Stafford, their franchise quarterback does not help them get there. No matter who you would replace him with, um, it does not help them get there. And so I think and believe Quinn, when he says he's committed to Stafford um, for at least this season. Now next season, let's see. Um, and I don't think that committing to Stafford outrules the possibility of them drafting Tua. I, I do think that they could draft Tua at three and groom him for a year under Stafford, then try and trade Stafford next season, next year, when the cap hit would be less. But for now, he's here, and I think he'll be their quarterback on, on week one of the 2020 season. It's crazy All right, so that me. was going to be oh, – go ahead, Jason. Uh, sorry, Ross. Uh, it's crazy to me, Ross, that franchise quarterbacks that got paid like franchise quarterbacks are getting traded around the NFL, or there's conversation about them getting – when's the last time we had that? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it seems like it's sorry, it seems ahead, like it's been a while, which is which is why. Sorry, Will. I, I was gonna say, you really think they because they're the odds-on favorite along with the Dolphins to draft Tua. So yeah. you really think that that could happen? Because that doesn't make any sense to me either, unless they think that if they draft if they draft Tua and don't have a great year, that maybe they would get extra time from. Martha Ford, which she was pretty clear that wouldn't be the case. Yeah, now I, I don't think they'll draft Tua. I, I think it's much more likely that they trade down, whether it's with Miami, Carolina, maybe L.A., um, and try and draft someone like Jeffrey Okuda, Derek Brown. Their defense was terrible last year. It needs all kinds of help, has all kinds of holes. I think they're better served in the short term and probably the long term, too, by doing that. Um, but I, I just think that when you have a – generational type player like Tua who could be the franchise quarterback for years to come um, that it's hard to ignore that and so many teams in the NFL have proven that the way to win is we get a quarterback on a rookie contract try and maximize that four-year window build a team around him and and also they've proven with whether it's Rodgers in Green Bay Mahomes in Kansas City that you can draft a quarterback groom him for a year or two beneath the guy you have in place and then kind of let him loose on the league. And that's something the Lions could do with Tua and Stafford. But I, I do think that they end up moving down to five, six, seven, grab a player on defense and hope for the best in 2020. Uh, well, we were looking at uh, NFL coaches and Matt Rule and, and the term that he got. And Matt, Matt Patricia is a guy who comes from that Belichick tree. And not a lot of guys have come from that tree and had success. Where is Detroit right now? 
on Matt Patricia and, and being the guy that's going to kind of help out the Detroit Lions from what's a pretty tough, tough team to be a fan of for, for a lot of years. Yeah, for about 60 years, exactly. Um, <laughs> the, the Detroit is, um, is more uncertain by the day, it seems like. Um, There's a lot of hope entering last season after the team played pretty well in the second half of 20, 2018. Um, this season eroded a lot of faith that Detroit had in Matt Patricia. Um, and Bob Quinn is facing the same thing. He hasn't hit on many draft picks, many high draft picks. He's probably missed more than he's hit. Um, and he and Patricia are in lockstep when it comes to scouting players, what kind of players they want. So every, every failing on Quinn is also a failing on Patricia. The, the faith here is, um, is not very high. And if things don't turn around in 2020, I think they'll both be gone. All right. So then, Will, my question is in Detroit, what are people talking about right now? And what is there to really be happy about? Like what, what franchise or college team, for that matter, do you guys feel the best about there? Yeah, well, the college teams are really the one source of hope. You've got Michigan State basketball, Michigan basketball. You've got Michigan football against anyone besides Ohio State and anyone in the top ten, I guess. Um, that's where we get most of our excitement. The hope for the pro franchises lies in the future of the Tigers, of the Red Wings. The Pistons don't have much of a plan yet. And the Lions haven't ever had a plan, it seems like. Um, so the, the hope is in that Steve Eisenman can, can get the wings back to relevance and that the Tigers, with scores of good prospects, can get themselves back there too. But it's been a long five years, man. No, no city with four major teams has lost as many games as Detroit has since 2016. And the gap is huge. So we need something to feel good about here. and It's been a long time. Yeah, so speaking of feeling good about, uh, last question, or second to last question at least, last sports question, Mel yeah. Tucker, no relation by the way, Yeah. Um, <laughs> are you, what's been the general reaction to Mel Tucker taking the Michigan State job and kind of how it all went down, you yeah. know, nationally he's received a lot of criticism for the way in which it went down. How have people in Detroit reacted to it? The reaction here has been pretty positive. I think I think once Michigan State fans got beyond the fact that they missed out on Luke Fickle, who was, who was obviously their number one candidate, once they got past that, um, they embraced Mel Tucker pretty quickly. Um, it's interesting, though. It, like you said, he, he had made it pretty clear he was committed to Colorado, and then he pulled a 180 about a week later, maybe even three or four days later. Um, he doesn't have much of a head coaching track record. He's got one season. He went five and seven. So he has a lot to prove. But Michigan State, for the first time in a while, has some wind back in its sails. A young coach who's got energy, who, who's ready and willing to do the, the grind of recruiting that Mark D'Antonio had kind of lost um, some excitement for. So the, the, rea the reaction's been pretty positive, and, and people feel pretty good about where the Spartans are um, moving forward with, with Mel Tucker. Last question. It is Fat Tuesday. So, I, by the way, I got to tell you something. I don't even know what that is. We'll talk about it later in the show. I don't even know what Fat Tuesday is. I know it's like a food thing. I really don't know what it is. But I'm supposed to ask you what food Detroit is known for. What food is Detroit known for? 
Yeah, we've got our Coney dogs, um, a hot dog smothered in chili sauce and cheese and mustard onions. That's that's pretty tough to beat. Um, Detroit style Hold on a pizzas. second. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. There's Coney dogs everywhere. Who said that's uh, a yeah, Detroit we, thing? Yeah, we like to claim ownership here of Coney dogs. So, listen, our sports teams are having a tough time. Just give us Coney <laughs> dogs, man. Let us have the Coney dogs. Uh, we'll take those proudly. And uh, Detroit-style pizza is pretty good as well. But I think the one thing that stands out is, is the Coney Dogs. And we're taking those, man, whether you want us to or not. Okay, so first of all, there's actually a Coney Island where they have Coney Dogs. So <laughs> and it's not in Detroit. Detroit. <laughs> it's not in Detroit. Secondly, you know what I think of Detroit-style pizza? I have no idea what the hell you're talking Are you talking about Little Caesars? What is Detroit-style no, yeah, so pizza? So it's it's a it's a deeper dish, um, a thicker crust. Um, it's you got to come and try it, man. You come to Detroit, give me a call. I'll take you out uh, wherever you want to go. We'll get Coney dogs and we'll get Detroit style pizza, and you'll be impressed by both. I guarantee it. Got it. All right, hey Will, really appreciate the time. Thank you so much for coming on the show. All right, we'll see you guys soon. Make sure you check him out on Radio.com app. Will Birchfield, 97 won the ticket in Detroit. That was interesting. I don't think they're trading Stafford, and I don't think they're taking Tua either. I think, if anything, they're putting feelers out like they might draft Tua just so that somebody comes up and tries to trade to get him. I think Detroit's in a great spot with the Chargers or Dolphins. I don't think the Panthers trading up to get Tua at three. It's silly season, so there's a lot of misinformation out there, Ross. Here's the thing, um, and he mentioned it. Will mentioned it. If both Matt Patricia and the GM are on the hot seat, they're not going to get the opportunity to start over with a new quarterback. So uh, I don't. I just don't think they're going to get the latitude. And it's funny because everybody that leaves Belichick does not have success. Isn't it amazing that as great of a coach as he is and the job that he does and putting his coordinators in a position to have success as coordinators, but when they get a head job, very few have any success. Um, and Matt Patricia is now going to be another one with Charlie Weiss or whoever. You can go back years. Um, but Detroit just, it's its amazing that they just can never get it right. How long, it, it's got to be dreadful being a Detroit fan. And then you got to live in Detroit and realize that our food that we're famous for is actually a Coney, which is not even in Detroit. Like, what's going on there? Dude, you can't do that, dude. You you can't say that you're oh. you're known for Coney dogs in Detroit. Like, they're literally called Coney dogs. What the hell are you talking about? I mean, I, I'm not okay with that. We'll have to come back because we got a very important Ask Reddit question. I think I'm going to turn some people off, but we'll find out anyway. Then we're going to get into the bills. And now that Joe Burrow kind of says he wants to be a Bengal. What does former Bengal and Cincinnati resident Solomon Wilcots think of that? We are rolling on a Tuesday edition of Home and Home, the Radio.com Sports Original. Hi, everyone. This is Dave Briggs. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. exclusively on the Radio.com app or at radio.com slash home. Home and home.
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.